Well, good morning. Today is an important day. We're continuing to look at our Culture Shift series. And, and the point of this series is to look at our vision. Um, we'll pull up our vision slide here. Upward, outward, forward. That's the vision of our church that a couple years ago we worked together and came up with. Let me talk through that real quick. I, I know most of you have heard it many times, but it's good for you to hear it again. And if, if you're new, this will be your first time. But Upward is all about spiritual growth, that every single person, our vision is that every single person that walks through the doors of this church no matter if it's their first time to walk into a church, no matter if they know who Jesus is or, or whether they've been walking with Jesus for 50 years, our vision is that every single person in our church would grow spiritually. Outward, that we would be a church that goes out, that serves our community, that shares our faith, that goes. Not a church that sits back and waits, but a church that, it, that goes out into our community and serves and loves and shares the hope of Christ with others so that the kingdom can be built. And forward, that we're not just going to build the church of today, that we're not just going to focus on what can be great now, but that we are going to invest in our future by pouring into future generations so that the church would continue to grow in the days to come. That's our vision. And so we've, we started last week into the Culture Shift series, and we looked at Isaiah 43, and, and what Isaiah 43 told us is what God said through Isaiah, through the prophet Isaiah, is God said, forget about all the things in the past and see the new thing that I am doing. As our team met, we put together a team that, that looked at the vision and we looked at what it, would, what, what it would look like and how it would work for us to live out our vision in the next five years. And so for about eight or nine months, we went through and we looked at each of these pillars of the vision. We spent a month on upward, we spent a couple months on outward, and we spent a month on forward, and we spent this big time just saying, what does it look like for our church to step forward, to step into our vision? And it was clear to me that it's not just about programming, it's not just about doing things a little bit different, but what we really needed was a culture shift. And last week we talked about the fact that our culture every day is changing and there's been this change in culture. It, it used to be that, that culture was fairly friendly or comfortable with God with religion, but it seems like in the past 20, 30 years, there's been a culture shift, and all of a sudden we find ourselves living in what people call the post-Christian age. And so if we are going to continue on in our vision, if we are going to grow, each of us is going to grow spiritually, if we are going to go out and serve, if we are going to invest in the future, it's going to require a culture, culture shift in our church. Today I want to talk about the upward part of our vision, that every single person that walks through the doors of this church would grow spiritually. Listen, for that to happen, it's going to take more than just another program. It's going to take more than an organizational culture shift. If you are going to grow spiritually, if you are going to become more like Jesus, it's going to take a culture shift in your own life. See, we can have great plans, we can have programs, but it's the work of the Holy Spirit in your life as you submit yourself 
that will lead you to grow. And so today we're going to talk about a culture shift, but we're going to talk about that in your life, in my life. Our plan as a church, just to let you know, for the upward part of the vision is that we are going to provide opportunities for spiritual growth. We are going to be intentional about helping every person that walks through our door grow. So if somebody walks in our door that has no idea who Jesus is, does not have a strong faith, then we are going to help them have a foundation. We're going to build the foundation in their life so that they can have a strong foundation to continue to grow. If somebody's a part of our church that's been here for a while and is continuing to grow, we're going to offer opportunities every day, every week for us to continue to grow spiritually, hold each other accountable, love more, become more like Jesus. And if somebody's been here for 50 years, we're not going to be content with all of us just sitting back, but that we are going to try to offer opportunities for people to go deeper, hold each other more accountable, know Jesus more, and become more like Jesus. And so that's, that's our plan, but today I want to talk to you about your heart. I want to talk to you about your spiritual walk, your faith. And, and so, what is the culture shift that's needed for you to grow spiritually? What needs to happen for you to become more like Jesus than you were yesterday? What needs to happen for you to grow spiritually? To go from being just okay or to go from being a new Christian or not even a Christian, what needs to happen in your heart, in your life, for you to grow and become more like Jesus? We're going to look at Philippians chapter 3, and, and this is an awesome, an awesome text. This is written by the Apostle Paul, and it's written to the church at Philippi, and Paul is a hero of our faith, right? He's written many of the books of our Bible. Paul was the greatest missionary to ever walk the face of the earth, aside from Jesus, obviously. Paul was a great hero of the faith. In fact, before God got a hold of Paul in a miraculous way, Paul was one of the biggest religious people, and he was thought of highly, and, and he was in a high position of leadership, but then God got a hold of him, and it wasn't just all about religion anymore, it was about Jesus. And Paul committed himself wholly, and his Christian resume is stronger, as strong, stronger than anybody else in history, other than Jesus. And so he writes this letter to the church at Philippi. And this letter is a little bit different than his other letters, and here's why, and this is why I think this is so valuable for us today. See, most of Paul's letters are written to churches that are in crisis, that are having problems. There are things happening, and the churches are falling apart, and Paul is writing to them to help them put things back together. But Paul is writing to the church in Philippi, and things in the church in Philippi are just fine. They're okay. Now, I know we've been through a pandemic. We're continuing to walk through what that looks like. I know we're walking through an election year. I know that these are not the easiest days. But if we're honest with ourselves, we're just fine, aren't we? We're okay. I don't think any of us today would, would say that we are suffering. 
And so this letter that Paul writes, Paul actually, as he's writing this letter, is suffering. He's in prison, and he's writing to a church that's okay. And then we look at Philippians 3, and we see his heart. And so before we get into this, before I read this to you, I just, I want a commitment from you. I want a commitment from you today. Listen, I know that there's a lot on your mind. I know that there's a lot going on in the world around you. I know that I know that there's a thousand different things that want your attention. I want to ask you today to shut everything else out, to commit yourself to hear God's word. Don't worry about my word, God's word. Hear God's word, to hear the words of the Apostle Paul, to hear his heart, and I want you to open yourself up to the work of the Holy Spirit. Are you willing to do that today? To not just come to church and go through the motions, but are you willing to open your heart and hear from God today and be open to change? If you're willing to do that, will you raise your hand? This is important. Okay, so I see everyone's hands that are raised. No sleeping now, okay? Because we're going to open our hearts to God. And I believe that Philippians 3, oh man, this is the key to us growing to be more like Jesus. Let's read it together. Verse 7, Paul has just laid out his credentials. He said, if anyone has reason to feel good about themselves and what they've done and their righteousness in the past, it's me. That's, Paul has just said that. That's kind of an arrogant statement, but like we said, it's true. His Christian resume is great, and so he's just laid out a little bit of his Christian resume, and in verse 7, he says this, But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Verse 12, not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, do not consider, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Father, we come before you today and we've committed ourselves to hear from you. We've committed ourselves to hear your word and to be open to your spirit's movement. So I pray, Lord, that you would speak through your word right now. In Jesus' name. So he starts in verse 7. And Paul says, hey, I've got a lot of reasons. I've got a good resume. I've got a good past. But whatever gains, whatever were gains to me, I now consider them losses, a loss for the sake of Christ. 
What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. So, let me ask you a question real quick. What's in your resume? What's in your portfolio if we're talking about your life? I mean, I'm talking about faith, but I'm also talking about everything else. I mean, we talk about our resume a lot, right? What, what is it that defines you? What is it that marks where you've been and what you've done? For Paul, it was an incredible resume. He had the passion and the zeal for the church even before God got a hold of him, and, and he was doing what he thought he was, he was right to do in persecuting the church, but then God miraculously transformed him and turned him into a missionary, and he became a great missionary for the church, even to the point that he is suffering for Jesus. And so Paul's resume is great. What, what's your resume look like? Paul looks at his great resume and he says, I count that all as loss compared to knowing Jesus. Let me ask you a question this morning. How much do you value knowing Christ? This is an important question for us. How much do you value knowing Christ? Do you value knowing Christ more than you value your resume, more than you value your achievements, more than you value your bank account, more than you, what, more than you value your reputation? Let's turn it to the church here for a minute. Do we value knowing Christ more than we value what kind of music we sing, the way we like the church to look, what we want from our church. How much do we value knowing Christ? Does our feeling match Paul's today, that we count everything else as lost? That's, those are not all bad things. Those are good things. Paul's missionary journeys, count them as lost because all that matters to him is knowing Jesus Christ more fully. Do we value Jesus and knowing him more than everything else? Do we value Jesus to the point that we can say all of that is garbage compared to knowing our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? I want to be honest with you. When I look at the church today, I'm not just talking about our church, I'm talking about the church as a whole. I don't see a lot of people that are operating as if they value knowing Jesus more than anything else. I see far too many people in church, I see far too many churches that care more about their resume, that care more about success, that care more about their preferences than they do knowing Jesus. Imagine if every single one of us counted everything else as loss and just wanted to know Jesus more. What do you think would happen? What do you think would happen? Does our practice match Paul's passion and desire to know Jesus? See, for me, I once 
knelt at an altar and said, God, I give you everything. You can have my whole life. I'll move anywhere. I'll do anything. I'll be anything. I'll give you everything. I just want to follow you. Sometimes my practices don't show that passion. You want me to do some confession real quick? Would that be fun for you? Yeah, wake up, come on. You should enjoy that. (laughs) Saturday mornings are tough for me because we have a prayer group that meets on Saturday mornings. And I love that prayer group. You know what I don't love? Being up and at that prayer group at 8 a.m. on Saturday morning when I'd rather be sleeping. And every week, I have this decision to make Am I going to get up and am I going to pursue that prayer opportunity, that opportunity to grow, or am I going to value other things? And I don't always make the right choice. And when I do, when I do, God speaks to me and I grow. My, My practices don't always match Paul's passion or my passion when I knelt at an altar and said, Jesus, you can have it all. I'll go anywhere. I'll do anything. So last week I referenced a show, The Office. I'm sorry, I'm going to do it again. I just finished watching this show. It's a, it's a show that Megan and I watched a long time ago. And so let me, let me just say this. I got in trouble in first service a little bit because I'm going to have some spoilers in this. So if you are watching The Office or if you are planning to, you may need to just put your fingers in your ears for a second. But there is this moment that just, when I think of the church's passion, when I think of Paul's passion, There's a moment in the show that really stuck out to me. See, the show centers around these people that work in an office, but the two, in my opinion, main characters in the show are Jim and Pam. And Jim and Pam, I mean, there's lots of different characters they follow, but Jim and Pam, I mean, the show is carried by their relationship. See, Jim and Pam love each other, and it's obvious from the first episode, even though they're not dating or married, it's obvious that they love each other. In fact, Jim's constantly sneaking over to Pam's desk just to spend more time with her. They're constantly just finding opportunities to be together because that's, they love each other. And eventually Jim and Pam get married in the show. Remember, fingers in your ears if you don't want to know. Eventually they get married in the show and they have a few kids and and they love each other 100%. But all of a sudden, some things start to happen. And this is, have you ever watched a show and you were so invested in it that you start to get mad at what they do in the show? Like, this is where I was at this point. But all of a sudden, Jim and Pam start to drift in different directions. Jim has always been into sports, and he has an opportunity to follow his his dream career in sports marketing. But the problem is, it's in Philly. But Pam loves the good old days. She loves Scranton where they live. She likes how things are. And so she doesn't want to move to Philly. And so we have about, I I don't know, six or eight episodes where things get pretty rough. And there's this moment where Jim is on his way to Philly. He's kind of splitting time at this point. And and there's a moment where they've been fighting. They've started counseling. And it looks like everything's going to fall apart. And Jim goes to get into a cab. And Pam says, bye. And there's this terrible, terrible tension because something's broken and not right. And these two people that used to love each other wholeheartedly are messed up. 
And Jim starts to get in the car, but all of a sudden Jim realizes that nothing, nothing is worth losing his first love, and that's Pam. And so he gets out of the car, and he goes to her, and he hugs her, and he says, I'm going to do anything I can, I'm paraphrasing here, to be with you. He realizes that the most important thing is his relationship with Pam, not the career, not the sports marketing job. And in the show, Pam starts to think, oh man, he's going to resent me because I'm keeping him from doing what he really wants to do. And so she starts to get worried. And Jim goes to her and he says these words, and I think these words are so powerful because I think these describe my feelings towards God. When I've kind of drifted away, he sa- Pam says, I'm just afraid that I'm not going to be enough for you. And Jim says, not enough for me? You are everything. Listen, there was a moment in my life that I knelt at an altar and I said, God, you are everything to me. I want to know you more. I want to follow you. I want to do whatever it is you call me to do. And I'm going to guess that a lot of us in this room have had that moment where we've said, God, it's all yours. I'm completely sold out. I'm completely surrendered to you. But I'm also going to guess that there's probably a lot of people in this room that maybe other things have crept in. Maybe some other things have have come up, and maybe our attention has started to get divided from what we really know and love, and that's Jesus. We need to recapture our love for Jesus. Listen to me say that again, church. We need to recapture our love for Jesus, not a satisfaction with who we are and what we've done, not being okay. We need to recapture a love for Jesus that changes everything. We've got to. Matthew 13, verse 44 to 46 is a parable that Jesus shared. It says the king, he says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. Then in his joy, he went and sold everything he had and he bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had to buy it. Listen to me today. No car, no job, No relationship, nothing is more valuable than knowing Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and following Jesus daily. Nothing. Do you believe that? If you believe that, you need to say amen. There is nothing greater than knowing Jesus. Jesus says the kingdom of God is not something you find and then you just go like on your way. The kingdom of God is something that when you find it, you get rid of everything else to know Jesus and follow Jesus. So let me ask you again. How much do you value knowing Christ? It's time to remember our love. It's time to stop letting other things get in the way. Paul says all this other stuff, the good stuff, the history, the past, it's rubbish compared to Jesus. 
He goes on, he says, I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. So what Paul's saying is, I don't want people to view me as a great guy. I don't want people to view me as my resume. I want to be found in Christ. I want people, when they look at me, not to think of Paul, the great missionary, not to think of Paul, the the zealot, not to think of Paul, the guy who suffered for Jesus. I want people to find Jesus. I want to be found in Jesus. Man, I love these words um, because I I think that's where the church needs to be today. I think the church needs to want more than anything else to be found in Jesus. It's bigger than music, it's bigger than programs, it's bigger than being successful, it's bigger than growing in numbers. You know what our world needs? Our world needs the church to be Jesus, to be found in Jesus. The mark of a spiritually growing person is that they are more and more found in Jesus and less and less found in themselves. The only way that happens is if we put knowing Jesus above everything else. Verse 10, Paul says, I want to know Christ. Yes, I want to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection of the dead. Listen, this isn't lip service. Paul, as I told you earlier, is in a prison cell in chains as he's writing. And he says, I want to know Christ. I want to know the power of his resurrection. I want to know his sufferings. This isn't a guy who's just saying that he wants it. This is a guy who's living it. It's a guy who's lost everything for the sake of Jesus. And he says, I want to know Christ more. Paul valued knowing Christ and suffering more than not being found in Christ and prosperity. I think one of the biggest things that holds the church back today is that we're comfortable and we're prosperous. I think one of the biggest roadblocks to our growing to be more like Jesus, being found in Jesus, is that we're comfortable. I mean, things are pretty good for us, right? We have beautiful churches. I mean, there, there's, things are pretty good here. Paul, from chains, from prison, writes to a church that's okay, a church like ours, and says, I want to know Christ's suffering. I'm in the middle of it. I'm suffering every day, and there's nothing more important to me than to know Christ more. And I'll continue to choose suffering every time if it's knowing Jesus more than prosperity. Man, do we really believe that knowing Jesus Christ more is worth knowing his sufferings? Do we really, do you, I want this to be personal for you, do you really believe that suffering with Jesus is better than being okay and being prosperous? Oh man. Paul says in verse 12, not that I already obtained this or have already arrived at my goal. Not that I've already obtained this or arrived at my goal. Listen, this is Paul writing to the church at Philippi, and he says, I have not reached the goal. I have not attained 
what I'm supposed to attain yet. I've got some news for you, church. If Paul, if the Apostle Paul, the hero of the faith Paul, if Paul has not attained it, if Paul had not arrived at this point when he is in chains for the gospel, when he's great, one of the greatest missionaries in the history of time, if, if he hasn't made it, none of us have made it. There's not a single one of us in here that can say, I am everywhere I need to be and I need to stop because I have attained everything that God has for me. That's not how it works. We are called to continue to grow. See, I think our problem is we measure ourselves against an unholy and broken world. And we look at the world and we think, we're doing pretty good. We're not that messed up. But Paul looks at Jesus. He says, I want to know Jesus because his measure is Jesus. And so when he looks at Jesus, he says, hey, I, you know, a lot of stuff's happening, but I haven't made it yet. I still want to know him more and be more like Jesus. He says, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Listen today, if if you want to grow spiritually, if you want to grow to become more like Jesus, that's not a passive thing. That's not a sit back and hope it happens thing. Let me be very clear. The spiritual growth in your life, when you grow to become more like Jesus, when you are transformed, it is not your work. It's the work of the Holy Spirit in you. But the Holy Spirit can only work when we are fully submitted and open. And so Paul says, I haven't made it yet, I haven't attained it yet, but I press on to take hold for, of, of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. I press on. Listen, today, it's time for us to press on. If you've been a Christian for 10 years, it's time to press on and grow. If you haven't accepted Christ yet, it's time to press on and accept Christ. If you've been a Christian your whole life and you become stagnant, it's time to press on and grow. We haven't made it. We need to grow. See, in the Nazarene church, we believe in a thing called holiness. That it doesn't end just when we say, okay, Jesus, I'm yours. That it doesn't end at that acceptance, that, that that's not the pinnacle, but that, that God wants us to grow every day and to become more like Jesus and to become holy. That's what we're called to. And so none of us have attained this, and we need to press on towards holiness. Holiness is not a state of achievement. Holiness is a lifestyle. It's living like Jesus every day, every day, more and more becoming who God created us to be. And we can't grow. The Holy Spirit isn't going to work in us if we're sitting back comfortable and neutral. So let me ask you another question. What are you pursuing? Are you pursuing the work of the Holy Spirit in your life? Are you offering yourself to God, to everything you have so that you will grow, so that the Holy Spirit will change your heart? Are you pressing on? Just be honest with yourself for a second. 
Are you more like Jesus today than you were yesterday? Are you pressing on in your faith? Is your heart fully surrendered to the work of the Holy Spirit? If not, it's time. Verse 13, he says, But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. That reminds us of last week, doesn't it? We forget all of that stuff and we press on to be more like Jesus, to be who God calls us, created us to be. Listen, we're going to do our very best as a church to make sure that every person that walks through the doors is connected to Jesus and is growing spiritually. But today, it's time for us to press on. There may be some of you in here that you, you don't have a deep relationship with Jesus. There may be some of you in here that don't have a relationship with Jesus. Listen to me. There is nothing better than Jesus. There's nothing more valuable in all the world than Jesus. To the point that Paul says, I will suffer to know Jesus more. Because that's greater than riches. The, the worship team's going to come up. There may be some of you in here that would say, I've been a Christian for 10, 15 years. I've been a Christian for a while. And I knelt at an altar at some point, or I said a prayer at some point, And I said, God, you are my everything. I commit fully to you. I want to know you. I want to follow you. And I'm just going to guess that there's some of us in here that maybe have gotten sidetracked by other things. Maybe we've kind of been operating, maybe our practice has been operating like we've made it. And I think today what Paul is saying and what God is saying through Paul is that it's time to press on. And there may be some of you that are looking at your career and your achievements and the work that God's done in you and, and you've been a follower of Jesus for a long time and you just feel like, you know, you're retiring from that. God's will is that every single one of us would continue to pursue, would continue to value knowing Jesus more and more every day. And so you committed, most of you, I think almost all of you committed to hear God's word and to open your heart to the Holy Spirit today. So we're going to sing a song, Take My Life, Take My Life. And I want to ask you to fully surrender yourself today. If you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, I want to ask you to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. I want to offer you something today. It's not me that's offering, it's the Holy Spirit. But I want to offer you something that's far better than the riches of this world. It's Jesus. And if you're one of those people that says, maybe I've drifted away a little bit, maybe I've gotten caught up in other things, it's time to recommit yourself to remember who's number one, to count everything else as loss and pursue Jesus with everything. As we sing this song, I want to invite you to pray. And, and we usually, we, we, only, we have these two altars up here and, and listen, with COVID, it's probably best that we're safe. But I want to invite you to pray right where you are. I want to invite you to open your mind and open your heart to the work of the Holy Spirit today and to be totally honest with yourself. And if you are not passionately, wholehearted, pursuing Christ, 
the way that Paul says he is in Scripture, it's time for us to surrender ourselves fully to Jesus. And so I'm going to pray, and then we're going to sing. And I want you, if you can, to kneel right where you are at your chair. And I want you to surrender your heart, your mind, your life, everything. Surrender this, your career, your accomplishments, all of it. Count it as loss to know Jesus more today. Jesus, we love you. I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your mercy. And Lord, you know that I'm not always where I need to be passionately pursuing knowing you, but Jesus, there is no question. There is no question in my heart today who is number one. And I want to know you no matter what it takes, no matter where it takes me. I kneel today the same way I did when I was 17 years old and I give you everything. I pray that you would work in my heart and transform me. And I pray that you would speak to each and every one of us and help us to surrender ourselves to you today. In Jesus' name.